make no mistake, the pirate system still stinks. There's no fast forward button, there's no magic wand, and there sure isn't much for Ben Charrington to work with. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports and this, the newly reborn DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network. And on that sizzling, upbeat note, this is Daily Shot of Pirates. I've had interactions with a few fans of the team in recent weeks discussing how long it'll take the Pirates to be good again. It's one of the most common questions, even among people who are just casual fans. And my response always points to the minor league system. I think most people, again, especially the casual fans, will look at the roster that's in Pittsburgh and say, well, how long will it take them to augment these pieces that they have here? That's not what this is about. It's just not. I I don't mean to deflate anybody or burst any bubbles, but it's not about finding someone to play between, you know, Josh Bell and Brian Reynolds or whatever. It's just not. For this team to become a contender again, as it was from 2013 to 15 and to an extent the year or two after that, it's going to have to build up from the minors. You're going to have to have a significant influx of talent in the minors because even your better prospects won't all make it. That's just the nature of baseball. That's not being a downer or a skeptic. It's just law of averages. We've seen over the years... In baseball, teams that have their organizational rankings at one or two or three, according to Baseball America or MLB Pipeline or any of these other outfits that evaluate these things, and you look at their prospect lists and these guys will rave about them and you'll see that out of their top 10, top 12, that maybe three guys, four guys will make it. And that's actually a pretty good cull. You need quality but you also need quantity. But this isn't just about the casual fans. I've gotten the sentiment from a lot of the diehards that the system is is good or is getting there. It's, you know, Ben Charrington's made some moves to improve it and now it's good. It's not. It's not. That's not a knock on Charrington. In the slightest, it's a knock, maybe my one billionth knock, on his predecessors because this is what Neil Huntington and Kyle Stark did worse than anything, as I've been writing for years. Here's all you need to know about the state of the pirate system. Right now, in the MLB pipeline, Top 100 prospects, and that means the top 100 across all of baseball. The Pirates have three names on the list, but one of them is Brian Hayes. For 2020, that to me doesn't jibe. I mean, I, I guess you could, if you wanted to be fair, you could put Hayes in there and, and say that's great. Fact of the matter is, Hayes isn't in their system anymore. So out of the top 100, if you omit Hayes, The only two players left 
are Nick Gonzalez, the second baseman that they picked up, meaning Charrington picked up, in this most recent draft. He's the number 32 overall prospect in baseball. And O'Neill Cruz, who Huntington got from the Dodgers at 59. That's it. That's it. That's your system. That's your system. If you want to hear the rest of the names, I mean, I'll give you some more names. But Gonzalez and Cruz are your guys in the top 100. The next guy, and I'm going by the MLB Pipeline rankings here just to, you know, I could give you all the different ones here, but MLB Pipeline is the one I've got in front of me. And Jonathan Mayo in particular, who's actually based in Pittsburgh, uh, does a very, very good even-handed job of evaluating uh, organizations' talent across the board. Gonzalez and then Cruz, and then comes Quinn Priester, the right-handed pitcher, another former first-rounder. That's a Huntington pick. Then comes Leove Peguero. He's the shortstop that Charrington got in the Starling Marte trade from the Diamondbacks. Then Travis Swaggerty, the outfielder, who, who has some potential. That's another Huntington first-rounder. Then Brennan Malone, the pitcher, also came in the Starling Marte trade, which, by the way, tells you how well Charrington did or or how poorly the system had been managed before that for these guys to immediately shoot into the top six or seven of the organizational rankings. Then Carmen, easy for me to say, Carmen Mlodzinski. Now you'd think if I was going to butcher one of those names, it would have been Mlodzinski, but no, I butchered Carmen. Maybe in anticipation of butchering Mlodzinski. He's a right-handed pitcher that was also part of this most recent Charrington draft. And the number 10 guy, I always find this sort of thing important because when you're talking about a top 10, and I used to do these, by the way, for Baseball America, and there was always some kind of special symbolism to the guys at the end of a certain wave of numbers, like who would be number 10, who would be number 20, who would be number 30. Because when they would cite, oh, so-and-so is a top 10 prospect in that system, or he's a top 20 prospect or whatever, if you're 21 or you're 11, you don't make that cut. So 10 is, is symbolic to me in terms of telling you what kind of a system you have. The Pirates' number 10 prospect is Jared Oliva, the outfielder who came up last year and you know didn't really do anything. In fairness, I mean, I don't know that he would have been up here under any circumstance under except for the ones that everyone was dealing with, the weird uh, Altoona satellite camp and everything else. But he's not – he's an outfielder. He's capable of playing center or a corner. He's not someone who excites people. That doesn't mean he's not going to be a, a major league player or whatever else here. But he's not someone where you go, oh, man, can't wait till that guy gets to the bigs. I'm not slamming him. I Look, I, I'd love nothing more than for – Anybody who I ever criticize as a prospect or somebody who's young to shove it in my face, but I, I think it's fair to assess where they are in the moment. He's not someone who fits that bill. And that tells you an awful lot about the state of the system. Because five of the guys I just mentioned to you were Charrington acquisitions, and he just showed up. Now, if you want to 
get crafty or ambitious and include Kumar Rocker into this, since the Pirates will have, obviously, the number one overall pick next year, and expectations are that Rocker will be one of the very best prospects in all of baseball the moment he signs a contract. Great. But if you think adding Kumar Rocker to this list makes the Pirates deep, talented in any way, shape, or form to where they need to be in the minor league system, then you just aren't paying attention or you're going Pollyanna, and that doesn't help anybody. The Pirates have a lot of work to do in this system. Charrington has begun doing that work. He's done a pretty good job, as you can tell from the names that I've just read you and where those rankings are. But it's not going to be quick. It's going to take more trades of more players when they're performing at their peak. I mentioned to you guys last week on the show maybe moving Josh Bell if he were to get super hot. That would freak people out in Pittsburgh a million times over. Bob nutting this, Bob nutting order to trade, whatever. When in fact it actually would fit in exactly with what Charrington's already doing here. He would take this top 10 and make it a, well, let's say it's actually a top 7, and he would make it into a top 10. Then he would make a top 10 into a top 12 or a top 15. And then you add a strong draft class. And then you go and you spend some money in Latin America and bring in some more players that way. And you start really building that thing up. Once you get to 20 or 25 players, in your system, who have a chance not necessarily to excel in the majors, but just to reach the majors. That's when you've got a strong system. It isn't when you're talking about a half dozen guys. And that's all this is right now, and that's all it'll be even if you throw Kumar Rocker into the mix. I really, really, really hope Pirates fans can keep an even keel and a fair perspective on this because it won't be fair to the new guys If people think right now that they've already got a strong system, they absolutely unequivocally do not. When we come back, I'll be joined by Alex Stilf. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back. Joined now by Alex Stump, the baseball beat writer at DK Sports. And hi, Alex. Hey. You know, the Pirates have made a couple of moves. Not that anybody's paying any attention uh, over the past few days that have cleared some space, some flexibility on the 40-man roster and I always try to find some kind of pattern with these things that goes beyond, hey, the Rule 5 draft is coming up Thursday, so they're going to get so-and-so and and whatever else. 
Uh, it's currently at 39, so there's one spot left. That's for your Rule 5 guy. Is there any other pattern that you've maybe discerned here uh, to date from what Ben Charrington has done with the 40 of late? Uh, I, I don't really think so. I mean, most of the moves that have been done are stuff that hasn't been that particularly surprising. Like, I think the biggest surprise that he's made this offseason was uh, outriding Jason Martin. And even then, that's more just a product of, hey, this guy's kind of a prospect still. But even though he really didn't get any playing time this year, even though he could have, and they were putting Cole Tucker and anyone else in the outfield instead of him. Yeah, so, they, they punted on Jason Martin. I mean, there's not another way to put it. No, yeah. more or less. I mean, I it, to be blunt about Jason Martin, I like how he runs the bases. I like how he defends. I don't know if he's a major league hitter, even for like a fourth spot. Mm-mm. But, I mean, what we saw from Ben and company last offseason was a lot of, hey, guys like Davidis Nevaroskis, guys like Clay Holmes, they've had really bad runs, but, you know, there might be something there. Let's give them one more shot under this new regime. It didn't really work out, so we're seeing those guys get taken off the roster. Clay Holmes did end up signing a minor league contract, so he's not really gone. It's just a case of, hey, you know, we can't give them roster spot towards 27 year old pitcher who quite frankly hasn't been good in the major so far yeah so, see that this that's where i start trying to, to to pick apart the nits here because you know the the one uh, the one that stood out i'm sure to the general public more than anybody else was trevor williams just because he's yeah. you know he, he's a known brand and he sh- and it should be uh but beyond that like okay davidas just stunk he he, he was yeah. just, just terrible okay but clay holmes was doing things that were really, really impressing them before he got hurt at the start of this abbreviated season. And you heard the same things that I did from his teammates about you know them just raving about his stuff. So he finds a way to keep Holmes anyway. And the same thing applies to Will Craig, <clears throat> the first baseman who was a, a former first-round pick who's a really, really good glove and has some power in the minors, but otherwise isn't seen as somebody who has some sort of major impact production-wise. He got both of them through and still has them in the minors, so their contracts can be selected in the future. They're still in the pirate system, but he freed up spots on the 40. That's what I'm focusing on. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. He could have just held on to those guys on the 40, which is basically what Neil Huntington did forever. Uh, these guys were moved off, and if they lost them, they lost them, right? Yeah, and you know what? There are a couple guys who, if the parts are going to need to have to add an outfielder at some point, they're going to have or to three or three or, or three. Yes, yeah. I'd be I'm being conservative with adding an outfielder, like you know, last year, whenever it's like they're going to add an outfielder, and then they added Gerard Dyson, who was someone who was employed by a baseball team, so. We'll, we'll who, who actually managed to get a return in a trade miraculously at the end of the season, but yeah. Yeah, he did. Um, so we're probably going to see some other stuff before, you know, mm-hmm. spring training goes through, like maybe the Tyler Bachelors, the the Carson Fulmers, because they're going to be waiver claims. There might be a couple guys yeah. signing major league free agents. It, the Rule 5 pick is not going to be the last roster move they end up making. There are going to be a couple guys who are on that fringe spot that are probably going to get booted at some point. Right, right. No question about that. And it, But he he made sure, uh, Charrington did, that he had one free mm-hmm. for Rule 5. Let's let's look at these outfielders now uh, on the 40, since that's our, that's our topic for today. Um, I've got Brian Reynolds, 
Jared Oliva, Gregory Polanco, help me. Alford. Anthony Alford, who I like, by the way, although he's old-ish, certainly, for a prospect. Mm-hmm. And is that it on the 40? That's it, unless you want to count Cole Tucker. No. No, I don't <laughs> want to count Cole Tucker as an outfielder. Love you, Cole. You're not an outfielder. Uh, so that's four guys on a 40-man roster who play the outfield. Um, that's insane. Yeah. And that has to be addressed in some form. Uh, that's not to say those are the only outfielders they have. Travis Swaggerty is obviously a, a, a prospect in that regard who doesn't yet have to be placed on the 40 in order to be protected. But that has to change. It just does. It, it, it almost certainly will. They'll find someone in the mix. Swaggerty is a guy who doesn't, like you just said, doesn't have to be protected yet, but he will be need to be protected next year. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see him come up at some point midseason. Probably in the majors, I don't think it's outrageous. Oh, I, really? He, okay. He, he would have been an Altoona all of last year. And then he spent the entire year in the Altoona satellite camp. I wouldn't be shocked if he goes to Indianapolis. Well, let's do this in the uh, other direction then. Your major league outfield is Reynolds, Polanco, and giant question mark. Yes. Okay. We have no earthly clue as to who the Pirates center fielder is going to be in 2021. I mean, I, okay, I think, we have clues. Okay, I yes, yes, we have clues. Okay, but it's not going to be Jared Oliva. I'm sorry, this is not. This is nothing special as a prospect. And, I like Oliva. Uh, okay, well, you can like him, but it doesn't mean he, you know. I'm, I'm not going to say he's an all star or anything. The guy he reminds me of, honestly, the most is like a Chris Duffy type. Okay, who, that would be early Chris Duffy or Chris Duffy. Early, really early Chris Duffy, off fresh okay. off the boat, Chris Duffy before not, Jim before. Uh, uh, yeah, Jim Tracy tried to alter his swing after he hit 360 the one year. It was like, no, try this instead, son. Pound the ball into the ground. Actually, what he told him, pound the ball into the ground uh, and beat out base hits. Yeah, baseball's changed a little bit in the past few years. <laughs> that caused me pain, Dan. I'm sorry, but it's true. And Duffy was like, What's going on here? And he was legitimately, I'm not making light of this, he, he became legitimately depressed. Yeah. And it, and it affected him and it affected his life and everything else here. You told the kids to do, anyway, Chris Duffy. So I don't want to go the Chris Duffy route. Let's see what else we got. Uh, Anthony Alford is certainly mature enough. He's had time in the majors. He showed something of an impact. Do you want to give him a chance because of all that pedigree? I, I Honestly, if... I was forming out of the guys we have right now. Anthony Alford would be my starting center fielder just because Oliver has options still. And you know what? You got Alford. Use him or lose him. Let's see what he's got. Yeah. Yikes. I mean, this outfield already in (laughs) in 2020 was so bad offensively that it defies, it defies description. I mean, they were, they were so far beyond below, I should say, every other outfield in the majors offensively that you can't even begin to quantify it. And now it could, it could it actually be worse? I don't know because Reynolds, I don't think Reynolds will ever do something like what we just saw again, you know? No, no, he's got to do better than 2020. I guess that's kind of the, the underlying joke of this conversation is we're so focused on center field that we're forgetting that the guy who played right field batted a buck 50, maybe. I can't remember yeah. offhand exactly what it was. Yeah, well, it was and, he, and, he's, and he's doing the same right now in winter ball in the Dominican, by the way. So, 
he's hit a couple homers, but yeah, for the most part, it, he it, it's been he really a couple bad. Homers, yeah. I mean, yeah. That, that, that's a continuation. That's all that is. He had a couple homers. He strikes out a million times, and that that's become what he is at this point. And they're going to ride that out until somebody's dumb enough to try to take his contract. I don't know. Uh, of all the things that leave me the most exasperated about the current Pirates, and I understand that really nothing should. That's that's way at the top of the list is this outfield because we're not that far removed from this being uh, one of the most productive outfields in in all of baseball. Uh, Alex, last thing today, anybody else that might be some kind of surprise uh, on the 40, uh, either coming off or, or, or coming on at some point? In the outfield or just in general? Anywhere, anywhere. Uh, if we want to talk like really low on the 40, guy who hasn't really mm-hmm. made a – a whole thing. Uh, Nick Mears is a guy who I think is going to make uh, a couple appearances in the majors. You know, probably isn't going to break camp with them, but you know, really hard, hard throwing guy. Him at Cedarland, I think, are going to be a really good back end of the bullpen one day. So uh, that'll be my pick. And yeah, hey, it, huh. if we want to talk about someone who could be in that outfield mix, do we dare say O'Neill Cruz? No. I, I still view him you as can't. a right fielder over shortstop you, you, right you, now. No, no, but yeah, I don't view him as either right now. I mean, he's just he, he's not ready to, to jump into the majors. I, I've not heard anybody say that he's ready for that. He has to have – he really does. He has to have a season in Indianapolis or at least a part of a season in Indianapolis. Yeah. You're not going to go from double uh, A Altoona to a semi-promising spring training to satellite camp and then into the majors. You know what I'm no. saying? No, 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 no. I'm with when you. You're but... as, when you're as incomplete as he is. Yeah. You know? And, and especially since he hasn't position. played right field yet. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He still yeah. he still doesn't have a position yet. So no, anyway, but I, I don't think midseason's outrageous for this year. Uh, I do. Um, read Alex Stump's stuff on DK Pittsburgh Sports. He covers baseball for us. Thanks, Alex. At Point Park University, in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question, and that segment of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by the North Shore Tavern. That's the sister, the companion to Mike's Beer Bar right there on Federal Street across from PNC Park. North Shore Tavern is the home of Steak on a Stone, and that's really all I should need to tell you. You enjoy your steak finished on a hot lava stone right in front of you, 800 degrees. You ensure that every piece is cooked to exactly the way you like it. Or you can try the rotating selection of entrees, hot sandwiches, salads, and burgers, all while enjoying the ambiance dedicated to great players and the history of the Pittsburgh Pirates. There is no place like this in town, or really anywhere, dedicated to Pirates fans, to baseball fans, the way North Shore Tavern is. Come on down and see why everybody's talking about North Shore Tavern and the steak on a stone. Today's just one question comes from my man George Contis up in Michigan, 
who asks if there's any chance that the nutting purse strings loosen up a bit to target some decent, meaning beyond serviceable, free agents. George, no. <laughs> okay. Now, you can take that answer in the cynical sense, or you can take it in the spirit with which it's intended, which is it's it's really not nutting. I, I just hate when I have to say stuff like this because I know that probably 90% of everybody who hears me say it tunes me out after that and doesn't take it seriously. But it's the truth. When Ben Charrington and Travis Williams signed up for this job, they did so with certain understandings directly from the owner. He is not dictating annual, year-by-year payroll. He's involved in a general budget, and I'm sure he's been involved, especially since the pandemic hit. But when you're talking about the way the baseball team is being built, if you trust me on anything, trust me on this, Charrington is the one who can dictate the year-by-year payroll as he wants, within reason, obviously. I'm not being weird here. And that's to say he's going to spend the money when he wants, but also where he wants. This GM has no history, not even in Boston, not even in his time as an executive in Toronto, of spending big. He prefers to put his money into the minor league system and to have the minor league system produce great values and lots of assets and multiple assets that he can offer in trades to other teams when he has to address real needs. This isn't about winning the talk shows. This isn't about winning public perception. I would argue that Nutting couldn't do that in a million years under any circumstance, anyway. So why bother? Instead, do the thing that would lead to actual winning. Free agents aren't going to do it, George. I know nobody wants to hear this. Everybody wants the Pirates to just be good right away. And it's not going to happen, and it can't happen because of the way this economic system is set up. There's one way to do this. One. Exactly one. And that's to build through the minor league system. And that's what's going to happen here. So is, is nothing going to loosen or tighten or whatever? You know, I'm going to leave that to the to the radio people who feast off of that sort of thing to listeners who only scarcely pay attention to the franchise. Really, that that's what that is, okay? But on this show and on our website, on DK Pittsburgh Sports, we're going to deal with facts. We're going to deal with uh, reality, and that actually is reality. Charrington's going to spend money. You'll see it. He won't hesitate to spend money. It's just not going to be on free agents, not on any significant level, to answer your question directly. Thanks so much for listening uh, today, and thanks for the question, George. It's appreciated.
your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.